Shivana Renee Newsom, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter Greater New York, is a civil rights leader at the forefront of the new civil rights movement and former financial advisor at New York Life. Shivana is a Bronx native, and when her father became very ill, she became his advocate, learning early on how to negotiate for health care with insurance companies and pharmacies. As a financial advisor, Shivana served her community. She's worked on the $50 billion challenge, which created college savings, retirement plans, and generational wealth for over 300 black and brown residents of New York. Since then, she has engaged in protests and activities to combat financial injustice. Over the past few years, Shivana has worked tirelessly leading protests on various issues. She co-founded Black Lives Caucus, lectured students, and expanded Black Lives Matter Greater New York to multiple New York City charter schools. Shivana Newsom, thank you for joining me today on T's Table Talk. How are you? Thank you so much, T, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to have you. So let's get right to it. Um, can you discuss your past work in the financial sector prior to your Black Lives Matter, uh, to the Black Lives Matter Greater New York movement? Uh, to assist black and brown people, your work in the financial sector? Of course I can. Uh, I studied economics in college. I, I was fortunate enough to study at Howard University and ultimately graduating from former, uh, Fordham University with degrees in economics and political science. So mm-hmm. I knew early on that a people's relationship with money but it's not even a relationship with money. You have to think about systemic oppression and how we've been deprived. And when you start seeing data about the wealth gap and how black people have negative wealth and how money stays in our community for six hours as opposed to it staying in a white community for 17 days, a Jewish community for almost a month, and hours only nearly six hours, I knew that something had to be done. So uh, New York Life uh, actually recruited me to have my own practice with their organization. So I worked on something called the $50 billion challenge, and that was by people getting life insurance. I know that's something we very rarely hate to talk about in our community, but it's so ever-present when we see social media pages for GoFundMe and these, like, money raisers and donation giving for when someone passes, but other communities throughout time have used life insurance to further their community. So instead of it being a debt when someone passed, it becomes a benefit and a blessing to the whole the whole community, the whole family. So in New York Life, we were trying to get $50 billion worth of life insurance to create general generational wealth in our community, and we were very much successful in doing that. So not only doing that, but was working with small business owners, because we know that small business is the backbone of America, but empowering black and brown business owners to where they'll have retirement plans, they'll have investments, and doing the same for mm-hmm. personal families as well, from retirement to college savings, just trying to ensure economic equity in our community, which it seems as though this American system does not want people who look like me or you to have. Wow. Shivana, thank you so much for that. <laughs> that was an no amazing response. Thank you so much. Uh, that was that was deeper than I thought. I, I said this is our opening topic, and 
you know, you just went in. Thank you so much, sis. Um, my next no question for you is, to can you describe the difference? You are a founding member of the Black Lives uh, Matter movement of Greater New York. Can you just please describe the difference between BLM Greater New York and BLM um, in general? How is it the same? How is it different? What I like people to know, and then I'll break down like the micro of it. Black Lives Matter is a movement. Okay, so when you see how and during Dr. King and Malcolm X's time, it was referred to as the civil rights movement. Right now, you see any protest from people who, who are galvanized by what they see in media, uh, whether it be television or social media, them coming out to stand in solidarity in the fight for the liberation of black people and to end police brutality, housing, and all the other things that plague our community. That's all Black Lives Matter. Now, we talk about organization and we talk about paperwork and we talk about contracts and things of that nature. There is Black Lives Matter Global, okay? That, that was one of the first to do it. At the height of their, at the height of their organization's piece, they had about 33 chapters and they believed in focusing on art and books to change America to change a corrupt mm. system. Now, my brother and I, because we are the founding members, we, we started this together, Hawk Newsome, we knew that, especially in a place like New York City, where you have the NYPD, where you have one of the nation's poorest urban congressional districts, uh, that, that's the Bronx, that's where I am from, a Bronx girl, where you have so much poverty and violence, and you see so much systemic oppression, oppression from where you see our asthma rates, where you see blacks getting brutalized uh, by the police department and the system overall. We started Black Lives Matter Greater New York because our oppressors, the people who systemically keep us in, in a box in our place that they want us to be in, they need radical confrontation. They need people who are unapologetic and unafraid to stand in their face and demand laws be changed, to demand justice. And me and my brother felt that that, that void wasn't being filled. There wasn't a strong pro-black pro organization really doing the work here in New York City. So that's how Black Lives Matter created in New York. That's why it was created. And that's why it's been going on for the last couple of years. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, and and uh, I also, by the way, am from the Bronx. I grew up in the Bronx. Um, the Northeast part, Parkchester. Yay. I got you. I got you. What the, high school did you go Bronx to? The Bronx is a bad borough. <laughs> And, and actually, as I'm going up the X right now, which uh, which high school did you attend? Oh, I actually attended Christopher Columbus. Oh, so you came into the city. I got you. See, I went to Clinton. I went to <laughs> Clinton High School in <laughs> Governor's right there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 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 Clinton. I, I knew it well. I had friends in Clinton. So, but, um, but uh, all it's right, moving on. We, yeah, there you go. It's definitely in, in Fordham Road and all of that good stuff, but... But um, so getting to um, you mentioned about the 15th Congress. Well, you mentioned about the, the district um, in the Bronx that you're um, going to be that you're running for that you're running in for a congressional seat, uh, New York 15. Um, but initially, when you were a student at Howard U, uh, that for then Senator Barack Obama's campaign asked you to work on his presidential campaign. Uh, what was your role uh, during what would become such a historic time in your life? Um, just to clarify, my primary was actually June 23rd. 
I am no longer running for Congress. It was an amazing feat, but that race has been uh, called. But, uh, oh, yeah, it, it, okay. it's a movement. It's still going. It's okay. Um, well, for me, getting started in politics was just, it was for my parents who had met at a civil rights rally, but because they came from the Jim Crow South, they went to vote in every election. My parents, my, my mom voted on like 9-11. So she actually got a certificate of citizen something or another fanciness because voting was that important that she voted on that day. So I had done canvassing. I'm aging myself right now with John Kerry uh, versus Bush <laughs> and all these other things. Uh, and yeah, Barack so Obama, Barack Obama, it was just, so empowering, and I and I think that may be a problem that we're having moving into this new election. But he just inspired the masses. Uh, you talk about voters turnout. You talk about just pure excitement and belief in a candidate. So I started grassroots fundraising. I'm talking about bringing politics to spaces with that weren't conventionally political. So you're talking about a hip-hop party where people are raising money for a black presidential campaign. It was mm-hmm. unprecedented. And his grassroots team of finance, they, they took notice their efforts. So when I went down, when I was in D.C. and I was at Howard, they asked me to be a part of the presidential inaugural committee. And it was really a team effort. It was really everyone's hands on deck. So that went from selecting people from the community who deserve or who they do would really appreciate being at the swearing in at the actual inaugural and also to doing like merchandising and just guest relations at the inaugural balls. Like I was fortunate enough to be one of five people who had an wow. actual ball pass. So I got to watch wow. seeing Vanessa Williams and Stevie Wonder and all these amazing people. I, I had oh, access goodness. to that, to that, and that was life changing. Like a black girl from the Bronx to be in these rooms with like Tyra Banks and J Lo and all these amazing people who were paved like ways and roads. Um, it, it was a very special time. So I think it was just luck. It was just God. It was, it was nothing magical that I did besides believing a candidate and was like, hey, we need to raise the money for this amazing black man that got me noticed by his team. That is truly amazing. And, you know, kudos to you for being in the right place, in the right space at the right time. Okay. <laughs> that's, um, what that's 75% of life. <laughs> It's just like not being afraid to speak up and take the chance and own your moment. All right. So let's discuss Linda Sassauer for a moment. Are you ready? We know that she's a Palestinian Muslim uh, and a prominent figure of the Women's March, uh, an organizer of Black Lives Matter demonstrations herself. Um, her political activism has been praised by some liberals and progressives, while her stance and remarks on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict have been criticized by some conservatives, you know, Jewish leaders and organizations, you know, as she supports the boycott, divestment, sanctions campaign against Israel. And recently she was condemned by the Biden campaign, stating that the Biden campaign is alienating progressive voices in the party to satisfy right-wing critics, you know, who will never vote for the Democratic ticket. How does this controversy affect the Black Lives Matter movement during a time when we need all Democrats to come together to win this critical November election? I think that because I, I don't know Linda 
Uh, we we might have passed each other on a few airplane flights flights throughout climate <laughs> activism. So I, I won't pretend to know where her part in her mind was when she made those comments. I can only speak to for me and my organization in terms of having a platform. And I received some backlash when uh, New York Times asked me, how did I feel about Kamala Harris? And then it was picked up by, like, CNN and the Wall Street Journal. And, of course, they never really quote all that you say. And I think right. that leads me back to talking about Obama. When Remember when I was describing that passion and that fire that everyone had out to vote? We have to right. be real. We don't have that. We understand that it's, it's a different time. It's a different circumstance. And, yes, Donald Trump is evil. He is Satan. He is putting gasoline on a white supremacy fire. Now, of course, we must vote him out. But that cannot be our only goal as a democracy, because I think we're forgetting that America is a democracy. So for the Joe Biden and Harris ticket, yes, we need them to get Trump out. But I feel that we'll be greedy, but we're allowed to have both. We're allowed to mm-hmm. have for them to commit to demands of the progressive community, to commit to the liberation of black people, to liberation, to housing, to defunding the police. And I think that in this heyday of hating Donald Trump, which I do, I, I've led one of the first marches on on impeach Trump now. I was down there when he was inaugurated and sprayed with pepper spray. So there's no love to the GOP or Donald Trump. But I think to win over those Bernie people, to win out the pe- win over the people who are fighting on the ground and who believe in social programs and who want radical and reformative change, I think that the Biden and Harris ticket, they have to act like they're not only fighting to get Trump out of office, they're fighting for the American people. That they're going, they're promising to go into Washington and change this nation to keep healthcare going to keep American jobs going, to uplift black communities, and they have to commit to certain promises. So I, I, I just can't write her off completely, uh, Linda, because I hate Donald Trump. I know we need to unite, but I believe that these two brilliant political minds have enough experience and will have enough power to give their base, and that's black women especially, and progressives, to give us what we want. Because if we see with Donald Trump, and all this evil, hatred, hateful, and racist, downright racist practices, he's kept his base happy. So I think that that makes the Democratic Party step up a notch, meaning keep us happy. The people who continue to go to the polls in South Carolina, the black women who lead the way, and every other progressive who is committed to democracy and the Demo- Democratic Party, we need some things done. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So... Um, just touching on the uh, BLM movement and, and being a woman, what is the toughest challenge you have faced as a woman of the Black Lives Matter movement, you'd say? Um, to be frank, I think that it's just history repeating itself. Um, mm-hmm. People would rather pretend that I'm an assistant to someone instead of being a co-founder, that how it's hard outside of Rosa Parks, what about the Audre Lords? what about the Fannie Lou mm-hmm. what about these brilliant black women who were organizers? And I think that that patriarchy will always exist. But 
my thing is why I don't get boggled down by it and why it hasn't stopped where I, I'm leading this movement is because you don't have to praise me. Uh, prior to last year, most people in activism actually didn't know my name because I was more happy. I was happier. Uh, I was actually really happy behind a computer screen prior to running for Congress. Yes. I was happy just strategizing and developing plans for people. But now I know the importance of using um, my birth name, Shavana Newsom, because it's important for representation. I know it's important for other black and brown women to see me. So if I have to Absolutely. deal with the misogyny and the patriarchy for my people, meaning black people as a whole, and also for my gender, for you know, the young women to come behind me, then I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay with being with leading the charge, with with taking the heat. I am absolutely okay with that. Uh, such is life, right? For a woman in in the uh, you know in this world, uh, in this nation, and, and even more challenging for, and I'm for black women. Because we have to think about um, Malcolm X and how he said the most unprotected and the most neglected person in America is a black woman. When you think about putting people at the very bottom, and now we have to think about black trans women who have a life expectancy of like 33 or 35 years old. But when you think about it, black women, we have carried this country. We have nursed people's children. We've cleaned people's toilets. And even now, when we are leading in educational class, when we are becoming a fast-growing number of business owners, it's very hard. For people, I, I guess it would probably be the same. I, I, I can't guess on on racism, and I, I can't pretend to think I know what they know uh, or want to think how they think. But it's very hard when you see someone who you've always seen as subservient and less than to see us climb and to see us soar. So I, I, I know that might be difficult for even black men, and especially white America as a whole. Shavana, will I see you at the March on Washington this weekend? Actually, you plan I, I will not be in attendance, and I hope that everyone has a safe and amazing journey. Um, I have participated, me and my organization, in some rallies. We host the 25,000-person rally in Times Square to unleash a legislative package, a 24-point piece of legislation that will liberate black people. But I'm sitting my weekend because Governor Cuomo is forcing children to go back to school. At least let's give these kids some haircuts. Let's get them some school supplies, just like I did last year when I handed out a thousand book bags. But I am going to be in the box <laughs> serving my community okay. this weekend. Okay, all right. And and last question, Shavana, if you have a, a moment, you currently we just a show. Oh, okay, wonderful. You produce a show on WBAI 99.5. Um, can you discuss the show a bit? Uh, it would be uh, well, that a show. That show, when I when I did the race for Congress and just to focus on it completely, I had actually given it up. That summer, I was actually a radio producer oh, and on ET's Top Watch America. But that show was about, it was Black Lives Matter with Shivana. And it just covered all the issues that we very rarely talk about, like food injustice, um, mm. environmental injustice, because people think that it's a very um, white issue, but the climate actually affects black and brown and poor people the most. So it was instead of just hearing about police brutality, which is disgusting, uh, Giving my respect to Jacob Blake and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, you know, the other black people have lost their lives in the system. 
but it's a lot of other things killing our community, and that's what that show took a dive into, and that's what my life's work is about. Like, if I can leave this world built for people to know that I've worked for more than just police brutality, that all the roles that plague our people, that I am fighting to liberate our people, um, I'm fighting for true liberation of black people. Wow. Well, Shivana, I, I want to thank you for joining me today on T's Table Talk. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to, uh, you know, keep in touch. Please uh, make sure that um, I know what you're working on and how I can be of assistance. And if my audience wants to reach out to you, uh, how can they do that? What's the um, best way? I'm pretty simple to get in touch with. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, it is New York, the full word. Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I, uh, and Shivana Newsom. I'm sure you'll post, like, the correct spelling and good stuff of my name. I'm really easy to get in touch with, to schedule a meeting with, to Wonderful. even have a chat with. And I just want to encourage people. Everyone doesn't have to be on the front lines that I, like I am, like going head-to-head with white supremacy and police departments. Um, do something in your own community. I don't know. Mentor a kid. Start a community refrigerator. Do something to better your immediate circumstances and the people around you. And I believe that's what true activism is. I totally 100% agree with you. Um, I will have a conversation with you offline via email. <laughs> no problem. Um, uh, but uh, Shivana Newsom, again, thank you so much for coming on T's Table Talk today. It was such an amazing interview, and uh, I've got a lot of insight into uh, into the Black Lives Matter movement of Greater uh, New York, and uh, and also as to uh, you and uh, and your and your community work. So thank you so much. Please keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate your time, and until next time. 